Hello and welcome to High Tea Obsessed. I am your host, Thomas Boomhauer, and today's episode is a real treat for everybody. It's an absolute banger of an episode, and that is because I am joined today by my good friend, Josiah Ferenzi, a great guy, huge fan of Star Wars like myself, and, you know, what we do is we're giving you guys a huge Star Wars episode. It's like an hour and a half long coming up. It's just us talking everything we could think about, um, about why we love Star Wars, some of our favorite characters, some of our favorite Force abilities, stuff like that. We also, in the very beginning, get into a little bit of a discussion about the rumors that Oscar Isaac is going to be cast as Moon Knight on the Moon Knight Disney Plus show. So I'm very excited about that. I love Moon Knight. I love Oscar Isaac. Seems like it's going to be awesome. Um, we also later on get into a preview of what we hope the Mandalorian season two will end up looking like and kind of our hopes for that series as a whole. So there are spoilers coming up for, you know, all of Star Wars and obviously the Mandalorian season one. So I am going to give you a huge spoiler warning before we start delving into the Mandalorian season one. So if you are up to date with all the Star Wars films, Feel free to trudge along until we get to that point. Now, like I said, this is already a pretty long episode before I even get into this intro here. So there's no out- outro, so once we say our goodbyes, I'm just going to have, you know, the uh, little bit of music play and the podcast is over at that point. But, you know, it's a great episode. The length of it is definitely worth it. And it was a lot of fun recording with my good friend. Next episode which is coming on Monday, is going to be about a cryptid called Mothman. And that one is also going to be very exciting. It's going to be a little bit creepy, a little bit spooky, and very informative. But before I even get into any of that, and before I throw it over to my interview with Josiah, uh, I wanted to introduce something that I am going to be doing from here on out on the podcast, and that is giving you guys recommendations about things that I've been, you know, things I've been into this week. And the reason for that is I am shamelessly ripping off HowlerPod, who was on earlier in the season. And, you know, there's this scene in School of Rock where Jad Black asks the kids who their influences musically are. And he's like, you know, when you start a band, you have to figure that stuff out. And so when you do a podcast, it's kind of the same thing. You got to figure out who's your influence and who you're ripping off and who you're going to copy from until you develop your own style and your own way forward. And so that's what I'm doing. You know, everything that I've done so far, it's based off of podcasts that I've listened to, and this is no different. So without any further ado, here's my recommendation for this week. This week, I am recommending Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? It is a novel, it's very short, by Philip K. Dick. And it is the inspiration for Blade Runner. Now, Blade Runner slaps. And do androids dream of electric sheep? Absolutely slaps. And I really wish that they kept that title for the movie. It would have been incredible. Probably nobody would have watched it. But sometimes art is worth it, you know? The film is set on an Earth that was basically destroyed by radiation after a bunch of nuclear wars. And most people live on... either the moon or Mars, and 
um, everyone living on whichever one it is has androids. And they, you know, basically very humanoid robotic slaves that do anything they want. And from time to time, these robots will escape to Earth and impersonate people. And it is the job of bounty hunters, um, or more like policemen, I guess, that like Deckard to kill them, which they call retiring the androids. So he gets caught up on this crazy adventure trying to track down the latest models and runs into a bunch of very dangerous characters because these ones are so advanced that they nearly pass the uh, test for determining whether they're alive or not. So, you know, if you're so inclined, huge recommend that is Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And now, let me take it over to The Break. And welcome back from the break. Like I said on the other side, very special guest here today, someone I'm very excited to talk with. And that's because we got a great friendship and we got a great topic to talk to talk about today. So welcome to High Key Obsessed, Josiah Frenzy. How are you, Josiah? Hey man, I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here. Excited that we are finally able to find a date to record. This is gonna yeah. be great. Never done a podcast before. This totally never happened. I know. Uh, so, would you mind telling people a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. Yeah, like Thomas said, my name is Josiah. I am currently living out in Pennsylvania, so love it out here. Uh, I actually lead worship for a church. That's my job. Um, but on the side, I'm, a, I'm an enthusiast of all things fiction and fantasy and Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Avatar, The Last Airbender, all, all sorts of stuff like that. So, um, Thomas and I went through high school together and became some pretty good buds and here we are several several years outside of high school so bonded by nerd uh nerdiness and you know we're always brainstorming crazy ideas trying to invent new stories for the worlds that we love so much but you know you rattled off you were like star wars lord of the rings all this stuff what you didn't mention was marvel and i don't know if you saw this before you came on but uh we got a little bit of marvel tv news today disney plus news Oscar Isaac, a.k.a. Poe Dameron, a.k.a. Apocalypse, is rumored to be the frontrunner for Mark Spector, a.k.a. Moon Knight. Very now, cool. I know that, like me, you love Moon Knight. Uh, and I think Oscar Isaac is a great choice for uh, Mark. What are your thoughts? I agree. I, from the little that I have seen of um, Oscar Isaac outside of, of course, Poe and uh, Apocalypse, he seems to really, really fit into the roles that he plays. And so mm -hmm. I think with someone, a character as complex as Moon Knight, I think he would do a good job portraying that uh, on the screen. He's, he's been shown to, to be able to, to portray a wide variety of emotions and uh, character traits and, and things like that, personalities. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be, that'd be pretty perfect for, for Mark. Yeah. And then have you seen um, Ed's Machina with him in it? Yes. Yeah. A long so time like ago. Great. That movie. kind of energy is perfect for some of Mark's uh, personalities as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really very cool. That, you know, we're about to get into Star Wars big time. I really want the uh, moon god, Khonshu, that Mark thinks he sees to be played by James Earl Jones. And I just want him <laughs> to be like a huge scumbag. 
Just like constantly <laughs> roasting Mark and just being just like in general a dick. Yeah. In that epic voice and just being like, Mark Spector. <laughs> roasting him. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens with that. That'd be that'd be very cool. I'd love to see that come to come to live action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it might be cool if they did a. Um, have you seen it, the Spider Verse movie? Yes. I was thinking if they did a Spider Verse type animated series with that, that would be cool. And you just have like each of his personalities introduce themselves and be like, "All right, let's do this one last wow. time." <laughs> it's a great really idea. Cool. That's a that's one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite animated movies in the past five years or so. Oh yeah, it's it's awesome. It was just cool to see like uh, everywhere they took all the different Spider Men and all that stuff. Yeah. All right, so let's get into the meat and potatoes. Let's get into Star Wars. So let's do it. Uh, this first question for you, and this is going to be like a hybrid convo slash interview type thing, just to get the ball rolling, get the uh, thoughts flowing. So this one's a compound question. It's really like three or four in one. But what I got for you is, how were you first introduced to Star Wars? Uh, what makes it so special to you? Like, why do you love it so much? And uh, what keeps you coming back to it? And as I was writing this question, I kind of realized that, you know, Phantom Menace came out in what, 1999? So essentially our whole lives, there's been new Star Wars content coming out because even when the prequels ended in like elementary school, the Clone Wars series started, started rolling and then we got like Rebels and the sequels. Right. Yeah. It's interesting to think I can remember back to the, the day that Revenge of the Sith came out and mm-hmm. it was a, you know, I had, by that point I had seen all of the original movies and I mm-hmm. had seen episodes one and two and, enjoyed them I, I wasn't as big of a fan as i am now uh, i was a little kid but i but i just loved there's something about them that i loved and so i remember my mom and i going to see episode three not on opening day but shortly after it came out and just i just remember seeing all of the things that they did and i mean seeing grievous on screen was one of the coolest things for me at, at, as a kid that age um so i i think i got introduced to star wars through, I guess, technically my mom, Mm -hmm. you know, she, um, when she was young, she worked at a, um, she worked at a movie theater when the originals came out. And so she and her friends literally, you know, they would sit up in the booth to play these movies for people. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, by the, by the, the end of her shift or their shifts playing, playing a a new hope and all of those things, you know, she had pretty much the whole movie memorized. And so, when we were little kids, you know, she's a, she, she's a fan, but more just in the sense of she loves movies and a good story. And so we, we watched them as kids. And like I said, I, I, I enjoyed them just for the sake of, I thought that they were good movies. And, mm-hmm. and so that's how I got introduced to them. But as I got older and my dad would read us the Chronicles of Narnia when we were going to bed and nice. you know, eventually was exposed to Lord of the Rings and um, all of those things later on, I read, you know, we both also love the inheritance cycle yeah. um, by Christopher Paulini. And so just, just different things like that exposure to different types of fantasy and adventure and action and sci-fi and all of those things. I really developed a love for Star Wars just of my own volition and, and became a, a bigger fan as I, as I got older, started to read books, started to dive a little bit deeper. Um, never really got into the comics as much, although I tried to follow along just via, you know, once YouTube became such a popular uh, social media platform 
started to follow a few channels and, and keep up with some of the comics and things like that. And so I think the thing that I love just about Star Wars now today where, I, where I'm at and the thing that keeps me coming back is, um, and this is something that you and I have talked about before, but it's just my love for story and my love for the kind of eternal battle of, of good and evil. And I think that not only is it something that's depicted beautifully in Star Wars and all of the other mediums that we mentioned, but it's something that's depicted in real life as well. And it's something that we, we see in the day to day. And I think there's a little bit of that, that um, or a lot of it of that, that good versus evil in all of our lives. And so it can be seen in the mundane and it can be seen in the big events in our life. Um, and so I think, you know, as a kid, I, I, I would see someone like Luke Skywalker or Obi-Wan Kenobi. And there was a part of me that wanted what they had and that, that mm -hmm. wanted to see myself as the hero and um, as someone who experiences the, the pains and the struggles and the turmoil of life to also experience in kind of the victory and the battle and the, um, the excitement of, of defeating evil and, you know, defeating the bad guys and all of that. So I, I think that would be my long, short answer to, to that question. Okay. I mean, you know, like I said, it was a compound question. <laughs> what about you? What's, what's your favorite thing about Star Wars? What keeps you coming back? Um, so my Star Wars origin story is a little different. It's just kind of like, um, I don't know really what, how my mom feels about it. I think she's kind of into it, but like, doesn't really care that much. But I remember in fourth grade once, um, the Revenge of the Sith was available on DVD that um, we got them all on Netflix. We got the first three because back then, well, not the first three, we got the prequels on Netflix because back then they send you DVDs. They sent you DVDs. And I think they still do if you pay for that. But um, so we got yeah. the three prequels and I was like so hyped. I was like, oh, I'm about to see Darth Vader, like about to see him go. I am like, no, Luke, I am your father. I was hyped. And then we come on and it's Jar Jar Banks. I'm like, I don't know about him. He's kind of weird. <laughs> and then, you know, so we binge watched those three in like one day, sent the movies back, got the original trilogy, binge watched those. And um, it was weird because like, it's not like my mom is a huge nerd and wasn't like super hyping those. Um, as a kid, our big thing was Lord of the Rings. So mm -hmm. I had seen all those and um, she loved, like she would read me Harry Potter. Uh, so Star, Star Wars was sort of like on the edge of my understanding and knowledge, but I still knew like a bunch of the big details and I don't really know why. So um, my main introduction to Star Wars before even those movies was watching or was playing Star Wars Battlefront, which is one of the all time incredible go. games, one of the best games of all time. And so I was thinking because um, a lot of the Star Wars content isn't good and it's like not just not great it's just like i feel like you can call it not good so i was like why do i love star wars so much and i think it's because of things like the communal experience you have with it when you see it with your friends and when the fan base isn't being like toxic and evil when you get to just talk to them and enjoy it and like theorize and explore the myth and possibilities of the universe and just like how we, you and i will always do that we'll try to make up our own uh like storylines and novels that we could have written in the uh, universe if we uh, you know, if we were able to, basically. Yeah. So I think just like the infinite nature of the world is what keeps me going back to it and makes it so enticing to me. 
That's great. Great points. Yeah. Which is really, you know, it's cool. And it, it is weird though, because like I love Star Wars and I like put it up there with some of my favorite things. But then whenever I rank the movies, I'm just like, I don't like most of these. <laughs> and it's weird. It's just like kind of weird. And then most of the books that were written are like bad too. There's a couple great series and the rest are like, yikes. There are some that are hard to get to get through. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned, you know, the powerful characters, yeah, how you love Luke and Obi-Wan and one, <clears throat> excuse me, and how you would like see yourself in them. Uh, what are some of your favorite characters in general for Star Wars? So my favorite character growing up and, mm-hmm. and still to this day, I'd have to say is Mace Windu. And I don't know if that's just because as a kid seeing this extremely powerful Jedi or if it was the fact that he had a purple lightsaber or whatever it was, I don't know what drew me to him as a kid as much other than, you know, he had some, some awesome lines throughout the, throughout the prequels. Um, Yeah. He's just very cool. Yeah. Just very cool in general. And, and I felt at the time, I think when I was a kid, I also loved to, I liked to like characters who weren't necessarily other people's favorites. And I liked to try to find the characters who, had some kind of the the hidden gems a little bit, I guess. And so I was really drawn to Mace Windu and he's still one of my favorites. Um, And now again, that I'm older, that I've really um, dove into Star Wars and some of its lore and backstory, um, just knowing about his development of lightsaber combat and developing, you know, Form 7 and creating his own style of of lightsaber combat. studying more of his force abilities through things like Shatterpoint and things like that. Um, he's still definitely uh, one of, if not my favorite character. And then I'll say another favorite is, is definitely Obi-Wan. And as a kid, I always resisted the urge to, to say that he was my favorite because it felt like he was the generic poster boy for the Jedi, um, which is still true. I think, I think he's a really great representation. He's like the ideal of what a Jedi should be. Right. Yeah. And I think that they did a good job, you know, throughout the prequels, especially you see kind of the, the arrogance and the, the mm-hmm. blindness of the Jedi, even in Obi-Wan a little bit. But I think that even there, that, that shows a little bit of the human nature that we all carry, where even the best of us can be susceptible to blind spots and things like that. And so, the, again, the more I've read, the more I've watched, um, Obi-Wan has definitely become a favorite, uh, favorite character. He's just... Um, a great embodiment, I think, uh, again, of, of the good um, in the battle between good versus evil. And then I'll throw in one more just, just, for, just to get the bounty hunters in there, give them a little bit of love. My favorite bounty hunter has to be Embo um, from okay. the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are some really cool bounty hunters introduced in that series. Obviously, love the Fets, um, you know, loved Cad Bane, but. Cad Bane, great guy. Um, man, give me, give me a space ninja with a disc hat that he can throw and. Like, give me that any day. So Embo's definitely favorite bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll stop rattling off characters for now. What about you? Um, so, I mean, it was interesting how you said, um, but as you watch more, you started to get more into Obi-Wan. And I think that's me too. I think, like, my favorite characters are from the, are either only in the Clone Wars or Rebels, I guess, technically, or, um, like, the version of the characters that are in that are my favorite. So I would say like Ahsoka is maybe my favorite character, like bar none, just at the mm-hmm. very top. 
Um, and then animated Obi-Wan and Clone Wars Anakin. And, you know, it's Rex. Uh, and then uh, also because, you know, he, I don't know if he even speaks in Phantom Menace. Maul would be up there for me because of his amazing arcs in the Clone Wars run. Uh, and then Han Solo. And if we get to count him, we get to count some of the legend stuff going on. And I've only read one book so far of this, but Thrawn is already working his way to the tippy top. I love a great villain and he is like amazing. Yeah, I would say that Thrawn is easily my favorite villain in all of Star Wars um, out of everything that I've read and watched. Um, they, for, for those who have uh, seen Rebels, they'll, you know that they introduced Thrawn and brought him back into canon um, after Disney bought Lucasfilm. Um, which I was really excited about as at first. I will say that the novelization of Thrawn um, prior to Disney's purchase of Lucasfilm is much better. Um, they they tried, and it's just hard. It's hard to replicate such an in incredibly threatening villain on a show primarily made for for children. There were some great elements in Rebels, but it's hard to just see. So he's definitely definitely my favorite villain overall, and I feel I feel ashamed that i didn't mention ahsoka um oh yeah i can agree with you right there it's 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 uh, hard keeping all the characters in star wars in your head but i, I can really give her give her one of my top spots as well the i think ahsoka will will go down in history as as the best and, and most developed character in all of star wars um, i mean she's like one of the only ones they actually develop right <laughs> yeah that, that definitely gives her a leg up but um yeah thank you for that for that reminder I was shocked you didn't mention her because like, I know that you love her. Well, it's funny because I, I was looking through some of these questions uh, beforehand and I was going through, you know, trying to keep my answer concise mm -hmm. and trying to narrow down. And so I had thought of both, both Ahsoka and Thrawn beforehand. And um, I was like, okay, I got to remember to mention them in, in the moment. Just, just kind of, they both slipped my mind. So yeah, that's, I mean, why we're, that's why we're great friends, man. We, we keep each other accountable. Same wavelength. We got similar ideas. We're bouncing it off. So a common theme of our favorite characters, they were Jedi for the most part. So, um, you know, if you had a lightsaber, regardless of the symbolism, symbolism behind the colors, what color would you want your lightsaber to be? Well, like I mentioned earlier, Mace being my favorite character, I always wanted a purple lightsaber. Mm -hmm. And so I still, I still hold, hold pretty true to that. Um, okay. With the same purple as his or like a different shade? I, I think the same purple. Um, okay. I, I think that was always my favorite color. And then you get into Legends and you read some some more. There was um, a few instances where you see some cool out of out of place colors, like mm -hmm. in even in Clone Wars. And it's not super noticeable. It's a very small character. Um, but if you'll remember the character, um, he's a Jedi. His name is, um, I believe, it's Terra Sinube, and he's an old he's an old Jedi master. Um, you see the one with the cane that mentors Ahsoka for an episode. Yes, okay, yes, yeah. that's him. And so his, if you look closely in the in the episode, um, he, his lightsaber is silver, and so that's cool. You oh, that's see really that. Cool. Um, and then there's a there's a Jedi named Corn Horn who's who comes far later in Legends, um, after the events of Episode Six, who at one point has a white lightsaber. Um, Which those have then, been more prominent a little bit now because yes making like, making a comeback somewhat you know ahsoka's sabers are white yep. in 
in rebels. And, um, so just some, some cool things like that. So I, I always wanted purple, but I, I have an appreciation for cool kind of out of the box colors like that. I think if I had one of the standard colors, it would be green. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that would be my vague sense. answer. What would you, would you want like a standard type lightsaber or do you want like a, you know, double blade, maybe do a weird little Josiah adaptation to it? Like an <laughs> um, extra so little handle or something? I've, so like you mentioned before, you and I both have enjoyed creating um, characters and storylines and plot lines within the Star Wars universe, even mm -hmm. though, you know, we have no authority in there. It's just fun to, fun to kind of. Yeah, like guess, make up our own. I, I guess essentially it's fan fiction, but I don't want to call it that. Yeah, um, and it's just you and I. It's canon for us. It's our it's, canon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's our it's our head canon. Um, so I, I, there are a few different lightsaber concepts that I enjoyed. None of which, um, I guess, one is a little bit original. There is a character that I created who um, wore the crystal of his lightsaber um, as a pendant and as like a necklace, um, and then. Uh, he had the character has really long and, and really thick uh, dreadlocks and he weaves um, you know among the, the the straps of leather and you know colored beads and other things like that that adorn his dreadlocks he also has um, little bands and strips and pieces of metal that compose his lightsaber hilt um, and so um, I set this character you know when the Jedi are in hiding and he's a character who you know when he forms his lightsaber, uses the force and like, you know, all of this metal oh, detaches so from like... his from his hair and mm -hmm. the pendant, you know, he, he gets the crystal and it forms kind of basically just right in his hands. So that was, that's my, that's probably one of my more original concepts for a lightsaber mm -hmm. design. But I think if I had to choose for myself, it would either just be a standard single blade. Uh, it would be a standard single blade, but it would either be a standard hilt. Um, but I think it would be really cool to have uh, an extra long hilt. Mm -hmm. um, just I, I I think that the designs of the um, almost almost lightsaber pikes you could kind of call them not not quite as long as like a staff handle but a but a really long handle almost um, or just as long as the blade itself um, would just give you a lot of um, more reach and uh, gives you gives you some reach it. gives you some power um, gives gives you some leverage in in some situations so I always I've always loved the the designs mm -hmm. of the of the lightsaber pike and um, uh, like long hilted. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I think I would go with either a dark saber, just because I don't know if there's only the one that the Mandalorians and uh, Maul have used. But if I could get another one of those, I would probably go with that, just because it looks cool and like ominous. And I would have it in like um like the cross guard classic one that Kylo Ren uses, just like that, but a dark saber. That'd be kind of nuts. Um, yeah, very cool. And if that wasn't allowed there, like we only got the one black uh, Kyber crystal, I'd be like, all right, let me get like a nice deep orange. Okay. Still go with the, uh, the cross guard that Kylo uses. I just think that looks really cool. And like he uses, when uh, he fights with Finn and he uses the uh, cross guard little outshoot once to like stab him in the shoulder. And I was like, that's right. nice. That's a huge advantage. Yeah, it's an interesting mechanic. Uh, I know it was pretty debated at first when they saw it, and some people thought it looked really stupid. Um, I think that there are times when it kind of looks silly, but I've actually come to like it more um, over the past few years. And it's it's a design that, you know, obviously they explored a little bit more. You see one other cross uh, cross guard hilted lightsaber in Rebels. Um, that's green. I know uh, that. And um, is it like? 
fiery like that, or is it more stable? It's not. No, I, and I believe I believe that any Star Wars fan who's smarter than me might might get on my back if this is not the case. But I believe the reason that Kylo's blade is so fiery is because the crystal itself is cracked and right. damaged. And I so, think that's. I've I believe, seen that. Yeah, I, I believe his crossguard. Yes, I believe his crossguard is almost like a ventilation, kind of for the energy that's oh, okay. from, the, from the excess crystal. But they did kind of canonize it and and make it an older design of a lightsaber, which I think is where Kylo was supposedly, you know, where he supposedly got the got the design from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember um, some of the stories we tossed around. We gave a guy a dark saber that I think was like that, like the big bad. I think had a dark saber with yes, yeah, a crossguard because he was like off and he only had a damaged kyber crystal or something crazy right but i've just always as soon as i saw it i was like that's awesome and then also if you had a laser sword that could cut through basically anything wouldn't you want something to like block your hand from sliding up too far and like you don't have a hand anymore <laughs> right yeah yeah it'd be it'd be very cool i know the the dark saber is a cool design just in general i remember even mm-hmm. back in the day when uh the force unleashed came out and just the hunt for the black saber crystal that you oh, yeah. in the game and it was always really fun so it's cool yeah in the uh i mean we're gonna get more into this later when we talk about mandalorian season two and uh season one and all that but the design of the dark saber that is like the mandalorians use it's like it's really interesting. It looks like almost a giant knife more than a, a sword because it looks like there's only one blade. Right. It looks like a one-sided blade, so that's just kind of cool. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't. I haven't done. I don't know if there's even much research done on how or why the blade looks like that, but definitely really cool. I remember seeing it for the first time, obviously in the Clone Wars, and mm-hmm. just being like dumbfounded because this this blade was so sweet. Oh yeah, and it sounds that it made just a high pitched, like almost whistle, mm-hmm. um, and zips as it as you know as uh, Previsla was fighting Obi Wan initially. Yeah. You're just um, like, oh, it's fine. Like Obi Wan's got him cut, and then he takes out his own. Right. Uh, yeah. Basically, Very a lightsaber. Cool. Yeah. What's going on, brother? You're like a terrorist, a terrorist warlord, <laughs> like undercover, weird deep state operative. Why do you have a lightsaber? And then you get all the backstory behind it, and you're like, wow. Yeah. It's very cool. Death Watch was sick. And you would think it would be super lame because the name is kind of cliche and obvious, but no, they stepped the landing and they made it really cool. They did, yeah. They they stuck the landing pretty pretty good with with uh, with the Death Watch arc. Mm-hmm. So, sort of a similar line of questioning coming up here. Uh, what are some of your favorite force abilities, force powers? This is a good one. Um, one of my favorites is is Mace Windu's uh, ability that he uses um, called Shatterpoint, mm-hmm. um, which is basically using the Force. And he he utilized this technique in his customized form of lightsaber combat um, in finding the weaknesses in other people's um, attacks and defenses. Um, and so it was a pretty cool ability that that allowed him to to really uh, cut to the quick and and get to. Um, get to the weakness of, of whatever he needed to, to find. So I, I always really liked uh, abilities like that. Um, sometimes even more so than physical abilities, like a force push or a f- force pull. Um, however, I do have a few phys- more physical abilities that I loved. Um, the one being introduced again in uh, the force unleashed um, uh, force repulse. 
And so just, just kind of the, I don't know if you ever played those games. No, but, I did. I, de- I uh, um, definitely did. I love yes. those. Yeah, so so just the just that forcibility of almost kind of curling yourself up into a ball and just mm-hmm. kind of releasing a wave of force energy around you. So always found those kind of cool, outlandish force abilities. Uh, you know, force judgment was basically the the Jedi version of of Sith lightning. Um, pretty cool. And then there was another ability I mentioned, uh, Corin Horn earlier, um, the dude who had a, a white lightsaber at, at one point. Um, he he was very gifted in uh, like. I'm not going to get the right term for this, but basically force illusions. And so uh, he wasn't as strong physically in the force um, with, you know, you know, moving on, especially initially when his training began. But there's an instance where he was training and trying to lift a rock around other students. And he concentrates. It's kind of this breakthrough moment where you're led to believe that this, this big boulder is floating up in the air and everyone's looking in the air where this boulder is supposedly, um, you know, being suspended. But then when everybody looks around, the boulder is still on the ground. And so it was this cool moment where he used the force to manipulate people's minds around him rather than the actual object. So interesting. I've always liked, uh, you know, force abilities like that. So those are, those are a couple of my favorites, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. My favorites are more, you know, less like, deep into it and just more what I think would be cool to have. So most of them are based off of the force unleashed. So I would want to just be like throwing dudes, pushing people away from me, like pulling them, you know, like just trolling uh, the stormtroopers by throwing boxes at them and just like knocking them <laughs> off stuff. Yeah. Uh, but force lightning would be amazing to have. I would just use it all the time. Just be like, nice. Like, you know, you got to reheat your food a little bit, a little bit of lightning oh, going sure. on. Oh, for sure. Nothing like the taste of uh, electricity. Just to... You got like the Jiffy Pop popcorn that you do on the stovetop. You just hold it in your hand. Boom. That's Crackle awesome. some lightning. Yeah, absolutely. Delicious. Could be cool. And then, you know, of course, anyone's being mean to you, just bang. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and there's the offensive. Just don't electrocute yourself every time, <laughs> like Palpatine. Guys, like I just love zapping myself, and I'm not gonna stop doing it. All right, this one is a little more tricky for you. They've been too easy so far. So let's say you had to do a nice classic heist in the Star Wars world. Um, you get, you got to build it. You got to do it. You got to get a ship. You have to get a pilot for the ship, and then you can pick three other people uh, as part of your crew. Who do you want uh, and like what ship? What do you got for me? Okay, so I was thinking about this earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the ship that I would like, and it's really just for aesthetic purposes, I, I think it's just the coolest looking ship in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. One of the coolest anyways, um, is a, if, you've, if you've watched Rebels and you've seen Maul's ship that he uses in that show, um, it's a Kamurk oh, class gauntlet fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a really sleek looking uh, starfighter. It's, it's fairly big. It's, it's a pretty big ship. I think there's a decent amount of cargo space, but it's super sleek looking the way that it lands. Mm-hmm. Um, I just pulled it up. It looks awesome. Yes. Yeah. So, so I think that would be my ship. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it would be practical for a heist or not, but like I said, I think it has some decent cargo space. Um, and uh, so it that would be seats my choice. In the back. Yeah. So that would be my choice uh, for mm-hmm. ship. Uh, for a pilot, I debated this 
Um, I think I think I've got to go Han um, mm-hmm. on on this one. I think I think with his um, his track record, he can't let you down. So Han would be my pilot for sure. And then with three other people to bring along, I think, um, and this is just pulling from, you know, these people were not all alive at the same point. Um, but I would definitely want to enlist the help of Anakin because I feel like he would nice. just be down for some shenanigans. Yeah, like I feel like especially uh, Clone Wars, Anakin would just be, would be, uh, you know. Yeah, like maybe. It's, he'd be up for something like that. I, I think given the right circumstances and, you know, having just his be a having mission his from ability, the council. Right. Yeah, having his abilities uh, on the mission would be, would be pretty, pretty useful. And mm-hmm. I think another Jedi who would similarly be up for some shenanigans would be Quinlan Voss. Okay. Um, and so I would, I would probably bring him along as well. And then for the third person, I was, I couldn't really make up my mind. I think it would sort of have to be a tie between either, either Cad Bane or Embo, like I talked about earlier. Um, okay. during, during the Clone Wars era, both of them, you know, having, of course, the highest um, bounty hunter tallies. I think you'd have to go with Embo because Cad Bane, you can't like trust him at all. Right. Yeah. Embo seems a little bit more honorable, which mm-hmm. in my book is, you know, I mean, you're pulling a heist. So he's still, he's still a bounty hunter, but I feel like he's got a little bit of a better uh, track record. He's not going to kill the whole team. <laughs> right. Right. Cad, Cad Bane's pretty much in it for himself. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that would be, that'd be my team. No droids. You don't want to go with a, I feel like you need See, a I droid. See, I thought about that. That's a, that is a risky, that is a risky maneuver, but I feel like it, I, I just felt like there were too many, too many good characters to choose from to, to enlist that, you know, obviously the, the first droid that I thought of was R2 and, and mm-hmm. the, that poor droid got, got pulled along on so many backseat missions where he was just, you know, screaming with these, with, with these ridiculous scenarios. So, yeah. You know, that's pretty good. Um, I think you probably do end up needing a droid. So I think you're going to fail the heist, unfortunately. It's very possible. I don't know, man. I feel like with the chosen one, that's true. Um, that that ship and uh, a pretty uh, a pretty decently skilled bounty hunter. I I can't remember. There were there were a few episodes with Embo in it in the Clone Wars where he he went toe to toe with a few Jedi. Mm-hmm. It might have even been Anakin. I know he worked with Obi Wan. Um, oh yeah, I was gonna bring that up. In the gang in in one of the episodes, but there was another episode that they were that they were rivals um, mm-hmm. with the plot to kidnap the Chancellor. I think. So you got Han. Quinlan Voss, Anakin, Enbo. Enbo, yep, yep. I think That's that would nice. be. I think that would be. And my then, um, Anakin. I mean, I don't know what Voss's position on some of this stuff is, but Anakin could get away probably with force choking some people if need be. <laughs> like you know, most of the, Han and uh, Enbo don't care. They're like cool. Right. Yeah. Yep. It's pretty sick. Um, so for me, I thought that the ship was an obvious choice, and I was like, let me get the ship. That completed the castle run in less than 12 parsecs. And let me get the pilot who completed the castle run in less than 12 parsecs. Give me the Millennium Falcon. Give me Han Solo. Boom. Can't go wrong. Smuggler. Like, whatever we steal, we got to do it back somehow. Right. I want him comfortable. I want him on a ship. I know the ship's got multiple gun turrets. I know it can do pretty much anything. So I'm pretty confident with that choice. Like you, I struggled whether to include a droid or not. And I, at first, I was like, let me just get Clone Wars, Ahsoka, Anakin, Obi-Wan. Like, good luck. Right, yeah. Like, you can't 
and then we also got Han backing those up. Like you're dumb. And you know, um, I think all three can pilot reasonably well as well. But I was like, we probably need a droid. So I said Ahsoka and Anakin. But then I was like, do we do R2? Do we do who else do we pick? And I thought, let me get BB-8 in here with the squad because he's a little faster than R2. He can roll. He can do the thumbs up. You know, the tensions are probably <laughs> going to be high between uh, Han and Anakin. They're not going to get along, I don't think. There's going to be a lot of testosterone in that room. That's true. So we need BB-8 to come in and just be like, guys, it's okay. Here's a thumb up. That's Yeah, that's a good point. I think, I think Han would also be the type of guy, depending on if this is pre or post Leia, but Han mm-hmm. would definitely be the type of guy to hit on someone as, uh, you know, someone like Ahsoka. So. Mm-hmm. so we have to go as old as possible to Ahsoka, probably Rebels Ahsoka, <laughs> to make it okay and do solo era solo. That would, yeah, that just made everything horrible because Anakin would be like, this is like almost a daughter to me. This is like one of my best friends. Right, yeah, you can't. And I'm trying to hit on her. <laughs> Overall, it's a, it's a good team though. It's a good, it was a good choice to, to include a droid. I think that would definitely be helpful. All right. So this one, it's like a mandatory question. I have to ask you. How do you rank the Star Wars movie and uh, the movies and give me it? reverse order worst to best or least favorite to favorite yeah so actually you're in luck because this this past may 4th i actually wrote a blog post ranking all of the star wars movies nice um, and and this is one of those questions that like you said it's a classic it's a mandatory question mm-hmm. and it's it's a ranking that changes I won't say fairly often, but often enough where some of these will switch places. Mm -hmm. Um, And so unfortunately we don't have time. I don't have time to delve into my reasoning for all of these. Mm -hmm. Um, So I will kind of quickly go through, through my list and people are going to get mad. I mean, you can can do a sentence or two, like whatever you want to do. Oh yeah. I'll I'll give a little, I'll give a little bit of a a defense for some of these, but um, I'm definitely, this might be, this might be me bringing the first bit of drama to your podcast. So I apologize I mean, in advance. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's the same for you. And it, I mean, I know I said earlier, there's a lot of these movies I don't like. I was overstating it. I like all of these movies. It's more not, it's not like which ones are bad. It's more least favorite to favorite with the exception of what I'm going to assume are your two bottom dwellers. Pretty much. Yeah. And, and by the time that I get to, um, you know, whatever rank seven or six um it's it's less about what's wrong with the movie Mm -hmm. and more just about you know i had more there were more things that i liked about this Mm -hmm. so it ranked higher so yeah i'll go through um so and i i I ranked 11 so i ranked the nine um in the saga and then i ranked the two anthologies so that's right that's what you want but um starting off at number 11 i i put the phantom menace Okay. Um, I ranked that one at, at, at last place. It just felt a little bit slow to me. This this movie just kind of drags a little bit. Obviously, you get Duel of the Fates and you have Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan versus Maul, which is really great. But there's a lot of political atmosphere in this one that I, I just think is a little bit too too slow. I, I feel like the trip to um, Naboo and you know even just the, the time that they spend um, in the Gungan city is... It's kind of like the it's kind of like the scene 
um, it's kind of like the scene in episode eight where they go to the the uh, the casino. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the name, but they go to the casino. Oh, yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, it sort you. of feels like that scene of it's the prequels. A side quest for no reason. Um, sort of a side quest for no reason. Obviously, there's hey, a reason, but we needed to learn that weapon manufacturing is bad and that there's gray on both sides. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So number eleven. Phantom Menace, number 10, mm-hmm. Attack of the Clones. Okay. Um, I ranked this one so low just because, you know, Ewan McGregor, Ewan McGregor, Ewan McGregor, Waskily Wabbit. Ewan McGregor definitely saves the, the acting side of the prequels. You know, he's the saving grace of those Star Wars movies. Um, Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman can be pretty hard to watch. And so that's, that's a big reason for this one ranking so low. Um, and it's sprinkled throughout the whole movie. And so that just makes it hard to, to watch, I guess. So, so that one ranked lower. You know, I love the, the Battle of Geonosis and, you know, seeing Yoda fight Count Dooku is awesome. Yeah. Um, but that's why that one ranked down there. Number nine. Um, hold on, sorry. Let oh, me interrupt for a second. I have absolutely. just because to save us time later on. I have those two in the bottom as well, obviously. Uh, but I actually have them flipped because I just thought that Attack of the Clones dragged on uh, too long. It's basically the same reason you didn't like the Phantom Menace drags on a little bit too long. And I thought that the dialogue was so much worse. that It's just, it's painful to watch most of that movie. And like Natalie Portman is a really great actress, but she will just completely give up. Like if it's, if it's not working, she just doesn't try. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. So like the prequels and Thor, she's just kind of like, she's just there. Right. But yeah. uh, what do you have for nine? Um, so number nine, this is going to be my first controversial statement. Mm-hmm. Number nine, I put Rogue One. Me and too. I, did you really? That's yeah, so I don't, funny. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it either. And I, and I think that it's, it's, it's um, I will say to, to its benefit, Rogue One was, was one of, if not the most visually appealing Star Wars movies. Um, the cinematography, some of the scenery and landscapes that we got, the even just like the the style of the shot that they filmed the movie in the color schemes, Mm -hmm. I thought all flowed really, really well. Um, But when your best character in the whole movie is the droid, um, you may want to just take a look at your other characters. Now I don't even have a problem with this would be a spoiler alert. um, So click away if you've not seen it, but I'm going to put a warning in the the intro. Okay, perfect. Um, I don't even have a problem with the, the death of all of the central characters. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that so much. I think yeah, there's something- it made sense. It kind of had to happen. Right. I, and I think that there's something even kind of, kind of beautifully poetic about you know, sacrificing yourself for a greater cause. Mm-hmm. So that's, that wasn't even my problem with it either. I know that was some people's beef with the movie, but I really just didn't care about any of the characters. When I was writing my, my post ranking the movies, I had to think hard to even remember their names Right. Um, and so I just thought they, they really, really fell flat as characters. I didn't think any of them were very believable other than K2SO and, um, you know, Chirrut, I thought was a pretty cool character. Um, What'd you say? So, who, who was the second character? Uh, Chirrut Imlay, the, mm. the one who I the monk, right? everyone kind of thought was going to be a Jedi. But mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, so number nine was, was uh, Rogue One. Number eight, I put a Star Wars story. Um, so, uh, solo, sorry. Reading is hard. Um, Wrong. <laughs> and I, the only reason I put it in number eight be, was just because it's, um, it's hard to put those anthology films in yeah, there. I, I, I don't think it's, 
a bad movie at all. I loved the movie actually. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of, like I said, from this point, it's, it's a little bit less about the complaints that I have. Um, and I thought it was really cool to see a young plucky Han kind of, mm-hmm. um, even, even seeing the dichotomy between what we see in the, in the originals and in, in solo is when he's, there's a scene in the movie where he says, I've got a good feeling about this. Yeah. And it's just kind of like the contrast between a, a lifetime down. of smuggling and what it kind of does to you. And so, so I really did enjoy the movie. It was just, it was just super hard to rank it within the context of the entire saga. Like yeah, I gotcha. the, the biggest complaint that I had with solo was just that Lucasfilm and Disney has done so much playing around in between episodes three and four. So there's um, there's so much that they're trying to establish. And anytime you do a movie in that time period, any new element that you introduce you have to explain where it went come episode four so that was my biggest complaint that movie but other than that i really did enjoy it um number seven i put the force awakens um so loved the movie overall thought it thought it introduced the characters i know a lot of people complain that it was just a rehash and i think that in some ways that's true but i didn't have a problem with that and they Mm -hmm. even said you know hey this is kind of our opportunity to introduce a whole new generation of people to star wars and develop a love for it. And so we're gonna give you uh, a new kind of even diverse cast of characters with, with Ray and, and Poe and Finn and all of that. Mm-hmm. I, loved, I loved all of the new characters. I thought that, that Kylo was a really interesting new character. I know a lot of people hated him, but I think that the reason that people hated him was because they were expecting Vader and mm-hmm. he was not meant to be Vader. He was not, that, that was kind of the whole point of his character right. versus he wanted to be. Exactly. But he was, he was not. He's just a lost boy who's... Um, Cosplaying as Vader. Basically. And so I, I, I actually found his, like, his unreliability and his kind of emotional like, outbursts, I mm-hmm. actually found it to be a different type of scary and intimidating. So I, I enjoyed yeah, everything about it. He's totally um, unpredictable. Like, you might be walking in the hallway and he kills you because, like, Snoke said, I don't like how your hair looks today. Right. So it's like, it's a bad hair day for you, Kylo. Now you're dead. Yeah. No Which pension. Vader would, Vader would just randomly kill people. But there True. was, it, was, it wasn't random. It was, you know, you had to do something stupid. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't, you know, unfamiliar with just killing people, but it was usually a little bit more. It was like, you failed at your job. <laughs> uh, you disrespected the force. You had to earn it a little bit, at least, right. for the most part. Yeah. Um, so moving on, I'll, I'll, I don't know how we're doing time-wise, but... We're doing good. Um, we're doing good. Uh, number six, I put a new hope. Um, mm-hmm. the, the next two, number six and number five, they're hard to place, and it gets harder and harder as it goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, but a new hope, uh, you know, love the movie. It's the, it's the beginning of one of the greatest stories ever told. Um, most influential story, probably. Yeah, my, my my biggest problem with episode four was was simply just it's sometimes a little bit slow moving, which mm-hmm. is fine. They have to establish characters and things like that, so it's it's hard to really argue against that. Um, but in the Very context of now, unlike a rewatch, right. you're like, this is a little hokey, yeah. right? Which which I think is why number five places where it does. So mm-hmm. number five, and this is going to be my most controversial statement. Oh, no. because I know what you're going to say. Yeah, I know you do. It's it my, it's it's most people's number one. I put number five. I put uh, Empire, um, and I I think that it's 
I think that it's a, there's a good reason why most people rank it as number one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an incredible movie. Like I said, I, at, from this point on, it's not about I don't I dislike this movie. Um, you know, there are a few little tiny nitpicks. You know, mm-hmm. even just kind of the beginning Hoth scene, like the the possibility and the likelihood of Han finding Luke in the mm-hmm. middle of a blizzard. So there are little tiny nitpicks that I could do, but really, like I said, it's not about me disliking the movie. It's just uh, I think we start to see kind of the progression of Luke as a Jedi um, in training. We start to see some of, the, some of the development. And of course, we get one of the biggest plot twists in history mm-hmm. with Vader um, revealing himself as Luke's father. I, I think my favorite part of um, Empire Strikes Back is when uh, they're on Bespin, uh, you know, what was it? Han, Leia, Chewie, 3PO, Lando, and that's it, right? And they walk into like the dining room type thing and Vader's there and Han immediately pops off and he just like blocks it. He yeah. pops the blaster shots. That's like the coolest. That's when I was like, oh, this guy is strong and he's like scary. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a totally different level. It's the same, it's the same feeling, you know, in Rogue One when that the final scene yeah. later in the hallway. Like when normal that... people run up on him, it's like, oh, we're going to die. Right. Yeah. There's just nothing there's no hope. Do. Um, so number four, I put, and in my post, I even wrote, I said, I don't know what's worse, ranking Empire at number five or ranking this at, at number four, but I, I ranked The Last Jedi at number four. Um, and I know that there are problems with the movie. I'm not in denial about that. I've explored the problems um, of the movie in depth. Um, but I'm a Star Wars fan, and so I will always look for the I will always try to look for the good and for the, the interesting. So even though I don't agree with everything that Ryan Johnson did, I can appreciate his willingness to take a risk and sort of do some things outside of the box, introduce some new ideas. Um, and actually, I, I thought that some of, the, some of the character development in this movie was, was really, really well done. Mm-hmm. I thought that, that the development of, of Ray and Kylo was extremely good i thought that seeing them struggling with who they are with the past with ray not knowing about her past with kylo Mm -hmm. kind of trying to establish himself as someone who's worthy of the mantle of vader but really ultimately just seeing them and then when you know when their minds are bridged when they start communicating with each other they both sort of start to realize like we're both, we're both just trying to figure this out. We're a little bit lost. None mm-hmm. of us are, we're trying to convince each other, you know, Ray's trying to pull him to the light. He's trying to pull her, not even to the dark so much as just trying to pull her towards himself. Yeah, like and to his side. They're trying so desperately, but neither of them are 100% sure that what they're trying to do is even right. And I so, mean, I think Kylo realizes as maybe even more than Luke does at that point that the dark side light side thing is broken because here's kylo he's a kid basically and luke skywalker the like you know the best jedi ever hero of the galaxy he thinks he's trying to kill him basically over a bad dream because he's having a bad dream he wakes up and his master like his uncle all these things a god like a living god almost is about to kill him and he's like this is supposed to be the epitome of the light side and then he has to deal with snoke all the time so it's just that's very interesting like that the characters realize that they're in a flawed system is nice. Yeah. So a lot of respect for the last Jedi, despite some of its flaws, which I know Mm -hmm. there are. um, And I know a lot of people disagree with me about that, but I just thought that 
I just thought that um, the some of the character development, even of Poe and Finn, um, was was really good. I think I think they both had some good moments. Like I said, I won't get into all of the nitty gritty details. Um, and also the um, the Haldo maneuver and the Praetorian guard fights are just two of the most uh, yeah cinematic, captivating scenes ever. Um, so that's number four. Number three, uh, I had the Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. It really did a good job, I thought, of of wrapping up a saga and a legacy. And I know that people had problems with this with this movie mm-hmm. as well, but I felt like we were we finally were established. I felt like Rey finally comes into uh, who she is as a Jedi and realizes that even though some of what Kylo and Luke were saying in previous movies, some of that holds true, and some of that it's like it's not a perfect system, mm-hmm. but at the same time there are things about the Jedi and there are things about the, the ideals of the Jedi, even if they were lost in translation over the years, there are things about them that are worth fighting for. Um, and so, and so I think that we see a really cool culmination of Ray's story. I th- <laughs> I love, you know, I'm a sucker for a good redemption story. And so I love seeing the redemption of Ben um, and just watching him with the scene that he has with Han in episode nine is you know, it's a tearjerker for me. I, I remember seeing it in theaters and just, just being, being choked up at that moment and bringing him back, bringing him back to the same moment that he had in episode seven that pretty, pretty much choice. rent him in two, you know, for the next movie and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was really cool. We got to see Poe step into leadership. We got to see, you know, Finn step into his potential as a Jedi. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, you know, I, you know, some of these things that, that are not directly talked about in the movie, but I, f- I feel like are pretty hard to deny right. um, just based on the context clues. And so I just, I think it just deals a lot with all of the emotional pulls and struggles uh, in the galaxy. And I, I loved, I love the movie as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm just going to interject here to save time when I do my rankings. Um, I think, so, you know, the, the problem with the rise of Skywalker is that they didn't plan it out from the beginning. So I had to a lot of and you know the um disney kind of gave into the toxic fan base with a lot of their decisions right and so it just made it so that half the fan base that like that's you know loves the last jedi was immediately going to hate rise of skywalker and vice versa half the fan base was like guaranteed to love it but um i just wish wish there were more consequences and that you know like either chewie stayed dead maybe ray died and kylo had to deal with i was a war criminal as a terrible human for right however many years um but you know it's kind of hard to hate it because we get palpatine back which is controversial but uh i think it's ian mcdermott whoever the actor is he's just having an absolute blast yeah he's just having the most fun and doing he's like he literally is doing prequel memes and it's just like i was in i was like even just for his scenes i'm like that's nice i'm fine with it yeah, absolutely. The the thing that I'll say just before I wrap up my list with with all of the the sequel movies is, um, you know, especially for people who hate them, and I, I always find it disheartening to find people who just just hate the movies. I can have a conversation with you about all the things wrong, all the things that I would do differently, but it's always so sad to me to find people who just hate the movies because I always am able to bring myself back to the night opening night of episodes seven, eight and nine, and just being in the theater surrounded by people who love this story now new and old people who have watched star Wars since they were kids and people who are kids now watching star Wars for the first time. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, some of these scenes, some of these movies that, that are just so hated, I remember just being in even the subversion of Killing Snoke in episode eight. I remember being, being in the theater and Kylo is, you know, pointing his lightsaber at Rey and slowly turning, turning the Skywalker lightsaber that's sitting on the throne. And that was awesome. That scene, I just remember, I just remember Snoke being impaled with this lightsaber. The entire theater gasped, Mm -hmm. and then everyone erupted into cheering and like, yeah, you're like, oh, cool, he's good. Like, what what are they going to do? Like, it's just this moment where you see like, here's Snoke, who Mm -hmm. we, you know, and yeah, I I can, I would have loved to see some more, you know development of him i would have loved to get some more backstory you know you get some of that in in novelizations in the comics but would have loved to see some of that on the big screen but at the end of the day to me it didn't matter because you got to see the power of what it looks like when the light rises to meet the dark and when when kylo and ray team up how much how much power they have as a duo and so it was just kind of this really triumphant moment and I wish so badly that people could remember kind of those moments when they're talking about, like I said, you can, I can, I went back later and I can analyze and I can criticize the movies and I still do. But um, ultimately for me, being a star Wars fan is about loving this, loving this franchise, loving this series and not, not hating it. So. I'm still just upset uh, that Snoke wasn't like three inches tall. Right. Because in Force Awakens, he projects himself and makes himself look like he's like 40 feet tall. And he's, I mean, he's probably like 10, 12. He's pretty big. But I wish he was like smaller than Yoda. It would have been incredible. Yeah. And he still had that booming deep voice and he's just (laughs) tiny. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's a a new Force ability. Actually, I don't think that that's even new. I think that's used in in some some place in canon, just like augmentation of your voice. Um, Maybe not, but. I think um, it is. I think it's. Might even be in one of the Thrawn books or something. Yeah, I think Luke uses it. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and so then, just to, just to finish up the list, uh, uh, number two, I put Revenge of the Sith, one mm-hmm. of my favorite movies. Um, I, I just love all of the all of the culmination in this movie as well. I think we get some of the, you know, the be- one of the best, two of the best fights in all of Star Wars cinema history, being mm-hmm. Mace versus. Um, Sidious and Obi-Wan versus Anakin and mm-hmm. you know the the Mace the, the Palpatine versus Mace fight is not as fleshed out in the movie as it is in the books and if you read the books it's incredible to read but um, you do get to see the Anakin and Obi-Wan fight on screen and the choreography the the, the landscape everything about it is just absolutely beautiful and so um, Revenge of the Sith sits at number two and then number one for me is Return of the Jedi. At the end of the day, I'm a sucker for just the good guys win. Um, they defeat evil. Vader is redeemed. Um, all of these, all of these big things. I, I think you know we see Luke step into his full confidence as just a Jedi Knight, and then we see all of the possibility with Leia and her potential for sensitivity, and with her and Han, and you know all of these great characters who we've come to know and love over the past few movies. And so, um, uh, Return of the Jedi will, I think. I think as much as some of the other ones change, I think that Return of the Jedi might always hold the number one, maybe the number two spot mm-hmm. on my list. So that's that's my rankings. That's my. It ended up being longer than I intended it to be, but that's my rankings of uh, the eleven Star Wars live action movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll rattle through mine a little bit quicker, just because we were able to talk about most of it already. 
Uh, so number 11, I have Attack of the Clones. And number 10, Phantom Menace. Number nine, like you, Rogue One. Uh, I just want to reiterate this thing. thought the characters were boring, uh, except for two. And then I just thought it was also very cheesy and like not an unbelievable or I just felt like they were holding our hands and being like, this is why. Like the whole rebellion is, rebellions are built on hope. I hated it. I was like... We're adults. Like, what's up? Like, I get it. It's a beautiful sentiment, but it's, it's not believable in this instance. Um, yeah. I have the, A New Hope at number eight. Um, you know, it's good. From here on out, it's like I like all these ones. like to love and kind of fluid. It's more probably like a 4B for most of them. 4B, CD. Um, Rise of Skywalker I have next at number seven. Then Return of the Jedi. Um... I think it's good. It's just, I think the all three of the original movies and the prequels are too long. And there's probably like five to 10 minutes in all of them that you could cut out. And I think that um, the opening, Jabba's Palace, all of that stuff is amazing. And the end is amazing, but the middle is just kind of like, let's, That's fair. let's move a little quicker. Yeah. Um, then I have The Last Jedi. And like you, I'm not that mad about most of it. I like that Ryan Johnson was taking swings i think either he probably should have just been in charge of the whole trilogy or that stuff should have been introduced as a separate trilogy right um but i'm not mad that he was like let me reinvent star wars because that was most of what he did was cool i just didn't like it as like a movie more than a story it was just so weird like everyone but 10 people in the rebel alliance is dead or the resistance now is dead and i think uh, i think he would have been better suited to oversee something within the star wars universe but mm-hmm. maybe not the main the main saga i think he could have i think he could have sandboxed well in in something a little bit grittier or something a little bit more underworld where mm-hmm. it's like um certain certain things like that certain, some of the themes that he kind of dealt with even just with the criminal underworld and the gray side of things you know mm-hmm. with um, dj and you know things like that i think um even just slavery still and yeah but if he like that, when they went to canto bite if they, that's what it is planet. if they give him um like the peak of the powers old republic or maybe like a whatever they set up after rise of skywalker new republic uh trilogy i'd be i'd be fine with it i'd like it um, i just thought it was weird that everybody's dead but they're like we have everything we need and i was like you, you really don't <laughs> right. you got 12 people and someone who had five force lessons and has some books to read yeah, and as much deal. as I will say, I will say as much as I loved, um, what were we just, sorry, you can cut that part out if you want. I don't know what I was saying. I no, totally we're keeping just... it in. It's natural, it's natural flowing. <laughs> uh, you want me to move on? Right there. That's okay. Um, next, I have at number four, Solo, because I love it. I think it's awesome. Um, it's got Paul Bettany who I love anything he's in. He's the vision. If you're not uh, like good yes, with afternoons yeah. for the listeners out there. Um, and he's just, he's a great villain, I think. Cause he's just like, I don't know. He just has a good energy about him. Um, and Amelia Clark just looks amazing. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's nice. And then I thought that Alden, uh, Ian wreck, Ian wreck was good. I thought the choice that they had for solo. I agree. Um, I thought he pulled it off. Like, you know, we're not going to get in a time machine and get 27-year-old. What, what is his name? Oh, my God. Harrison Ford. Right, right, right. Oh, my goodness. 
We're not in a 27 year old Harrison Ford uh, out here. So I thought it was good. I appreciated that he didn't try to be Harrison Ford. He tried yeah, to be a young Han, Han Solo. Solo, which is what needed was needed for the role. And he did like there were times where he sounded like Harrison Ford at that age too. Yeah. Um, and he he did like he had more energy, I think, because he was like you said, he's not beaten down by the criminal life any, at that point. Right. Um, I have number three, Revenge of the Sith. Pretty much all the reasons you said. Great fight scenes. Um, it's just I think it's good. I think it's not just like good for the prequels. I think it's one of the better Star Wars movies. Um, I have The Force Awakens at number two, which is mostly um, atmosphere. Like you know, we saw it op- near opening night with all of our friends, um, and it was just like that whole. It was the first Star Wars movie I had seen in theaters, so um, it's just like oh really? Yeah. So and I got that whole thing, and it was before. Um, any memory of it was tainted by like all the trolls on the online being like it's just a it's just a new hope remade and all that stuff right so and i think it still holds up like it just looks nice it feels very star warsy um so i just love it and then i have empire strikes back at number one uh mostly just because it broke my brain as a kid and i think it's the best movie of the star wars movies and so I always have it at number one. It's a great list. We had we had more similarities than I than I even thought we would. Yeah, it was like the bones of it were pretty similar. And then I'm pretty like like you, the middle is very fluid. Yeah, so it kind of depends on the mood or like like if I have a conversation with you, I'll be more Star Wars friendly. So like uh, Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker would sneak up more, but if I talk to some of our other friends who didn't like those ones, they'll creep down because I'll be like, I'll only remember the bad parts. Right. Yeah. Um, so sure it definitely depends on who you talk to about it. From here on out, we're going to get really spoilerly, spoilery into Mandalorian season one and kind of do some theorizing, a little bit of wishing on the Mandalorian season two. So some of y'all might want to duck on out of here if you haven't seen it for some reason. Um, if you have and you're if you haven't and you're on the internet, you probably know all the uh, spoilers we're gonna get into, so you're probably good. But you know you've been warned, so I'm gonna give you a nice five, four, three, two, spoiler time. So, Mandalorian season one. Uh, how did you feel about it overall? Loved the show, mm-hmm. loved the um, just the atmosphere that was set, like, kind of just the, the Western vibe that we got. Um, I really enjoyed just kind of exploring some of the Star Wars universe that we haven't really been able to see yet. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just, the, it's the up close and personal. When you watch the other movies, even the anthology films, it's kind of this, this grandiose view, this big, this big picture of the universe you know, you'll see, you'll see these smaller towns or you'll see interactions with people day to day, but it's, they're all background characters. And the cool thing about Mandalorian is that it feels like any character in the background could be the, one of the next characters that you meet. And so I think getting close up and personal with, with a character like Mando and I'm um, just getting to see him interact with the world around him as a bounty hunter mm-hmm. is really, really cool. I thought that the the premise and the execution were, were really good overall. I felt that it did a good job of being gritty and 
not dumbed down really there was humor there was comedy but it didn't feel forced mm-hmm. um yeah like the tone made made sense the whole time right yeah so so tone was really good so i, I loved it overall mm-hmm. um what about you so i also loved it um but then i've been rewatching it this week to get ready for i think thursday friday it comes out um and the first couple episodes are pretty boring I'm on episode four, so I've already gotten, like, all the big reveals um, at that point. And it's just, like, you already know that, A, Baby Yoda exists. And then you already know episode two, he has the Force. And then you already know in episode three that he's uh, Mando's going to go back for him. And that um, the other Mandalorians are going to come out to save them from Grief Karga and the other bounty hunters. Right. Um, I will say I love... So when I saw that Pedro Pascal was cast as the Mandalorian, I knew it was going to be amazing because of um, his role on Game of Thrones as the uh, Prince of Dorne, whose nickname I am blanking on at the moment. It's been a long day. Is it something red? I haven't, I haven't even seen Game of Thrones, but I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he's like the... Oh man, I love Game of Thrones, so this is like horrible. It's like the Viper of Dorne or something like that. That sounds good. He fights that. with like a long spear. Yeah, and he's like really cool. Um, but I was just like, this guy's awesome. He yeah. should be Batman. And they're like, oh, he's going to be a Old West style bounty hunter in the Star Wars universe. And I was like, I'm in, like, say less. Yeah. Um, I also really like Grief Cargo because Carl um, Weathers is just. He's having, like, I love when character actors are just having fun. And he's yes. just like, Mando, they hate you because you're a legend. Like, all, everything he does is awesome. And then they drop in, um, the client is, like, crazy. Mm-hmm. He's really cool. Like, I want to see the baby. We will all be quiet. All that stuff <laughs> at the end. Um, and then anytime. I think it's Giancarlo Esposito is in anything. I'm like, I'm in. Uh, he's Moff Gideon. He is an awesome villain. So that's really cool. Yes. Yeah, I'm excited to see where his character goes. Yeah, so I've rambled a little bit, but I liked it a lot. Um, and I like you, I like that we get the seedier sides of Star Wars. And I like that we get just, you know, more of the universe in general. One thing that always amazes me about the Star Wars universe is that it's sort of like all those classic fantasy stories where people are just very ignorant about what's going on. And it's kind of weird. Like right. the Jedi were living memory for a lot of species, a lot of people and uh, the main enemies of Mandalore for centuries. And this is basically like a weird cult version of Mandalorian culture and um, not common knowledge that the Jedi existed and that they were their main enemies, which I thought was weird. Like they're so fanatical, they don't take their helmets off but they don't know what the Jedi are. And even the armorer barely knows. She's like a tribe of enemy sorcerers. Right. It's just, and then, I don't know, but all that stuff is weird. Yeah, it's interesting. And I I think it'll be cool to explore some more of that in Mm -hmm. in season two. Hopefully they do. I think um, having someone like, someone like Din as the main character, he's in an interesting spot because he's someone who's rescued um, as a as a baby and taken in by this like you said kind of almost uh, cult or sect of the Mandalorians who don't remove their helmets and you don't really know why mm-hmm. 
um, I want more of that. Mandalorians so. who are infamously rivals of the Jedi Order to just not really know much about them. And so mm-hmm. I think I think it shows a few things. I think it shows one how much control the Empire has on the universe at that point, on the galaxy, um, how much control uh, Sidious has just to mm-hmm. um, just to control information, and um, and and so that it. I think that will play a part in what happens. And I think that um, there's also some of it that could really just be ignorance. You know, it's a big galaxy, you know, that we have planets throughout the movies and throughout the books and and comics and everything who are neutral planets who, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of stay out of conflict, stay out of reach, stay out of touch. Um, You know, even, even some planets that are less technologically advanced who have no idea what's going on in the town over. So, I mean, I think, I think, in the Clone Wars, they discover a new species, essentially, like deep into the Republic. Right. Um, so I think I think all, all of those things will be really cool to explore. Of course, um, I'm sure, as we'll, we'll talk about in a few in a few minutes, um, Ahsoka, having her there, I'm mm-hmm. excited and I'm nervous. Anything like that, I always get nervous when when things like that are announced. But I'm ultimately just really excited to see her and to see how she plays in. Um, how they how they tie in the dark saber how they tie you know how did moff mm-hmm. gideon get it how you know where has it been um right. they, they made it a pretty big staple towards the end of rebels uh, if if symbolic if nothing else and so i think it will be really interesting to see what they do with some of those some of those elements right Just one weird thing about the series is that it's like it's pretty short overall i think there's like eight or ten episodes in the first season and they're all around four thirty 30 to 40 minutes yeah. And there's, you know, there's the intro and credits to take into account and like the recaps and everything. So it's, and then a bunch of the episodes in the first season were almost adventure of the week towards the middle. So this season, I would like them to be more like instead of the adventure of the week, maybe we get batch stories on Moff Gideon, where the dark saber came from, like bottle episodes more than, you know, Mando new weird wacky characters with some cool guest stars. Um, yeah. And, you know, we can get into the Ahsoka thing right now. Because like we said, we both said she's um, one of our favorite characters. And, you know, we watched her grow up, basically, for Clone Wars and what I've seen of Rebels. And then, you know, no shots at Rosario Dawson at all. But it's just going to be so weird not hearing um, Ashley Epstein be Ahsoka. But I wish, I kind of wish they just got basically like... um that a trapeze artist or something like a acrobat or a gymnast have to do face acting and just dubbed her voice in. Yeah. It will be weird to, to not have um, Ashley's voice uh, over playing Ahsoka, but I think I, I, I hope and I have confidence that they're going to do a good job with it. I think with something like this, Ahsoka is not a character you have to include in a show like the Mandalorian. And so I'm, I'm always going to give the benefit of the, out at first and so i i trust that if they're going to do it it's it's for a good reason and i and i hope that they do it well um it'll be interesting having a different voice for sure but Mm -hmm. i'm gonna guess that she's probably in like one episode because a lot of the big people that like a lot of the big guest stars were in one episode um uh, last season that's that's interesting i i wonder i actually don't know if i agree on that and it'll be interesting to see um how we're uh which 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 one of us is right? I think that I think because I think I 
think that in some ways, if you if you make Ahsoka a central part of season two, it you risk losing um, Din as the main character, and you right. risk putting Ahsoka in the spotlight, which she she should not be for this show. Um, however, I think that I think that she'll be in more of it in the sense that if Mando's goal is to return the child to the Jedi. You know, Ahsoka's maybe no longer a Jedi, but still obviously has ties with the Order or, you know, what's left of it at this point. And right. so I think that she'll be, I think that she will be a, a frequented character, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not in every episode. And um, I think it'll be, my assumption right now is that it's going to be a generous mix. It's going to be, we'll see her throughout. Um, but I, do, I don't think it will necessarily be hey, let's team up for the entire season right. and work together. Um, so I'll be interested to see to see what happens with that. I think it, it'll also depend how they want to deal with Baby Yoda going forward. Like if he's going to be in it or if it's going to be kind of like how the show is pitched to fans as um, like the Mandalorian himself, Din, getting into it in like the seedy underworld of the universe. So like if he passes off Baby Yoda to Ahsoka, or if like maybe they do team up and they both kind of like take on raising the child. Yeah, I think that this is their this is the the chance that they're going to have to establish what the rest of the show will be. Mm-hmm. I think that with it's it's not it's a nice centralized plot because it gives it gives the entire season a mission. That was that was maybe one of my bigger complaints with season one. Is it it like you said it it didn't really feel like there was a central mission. Mm-hmm. Um, Din didn't really have a purpose. He kind of some sort of un, unrooted, unidentified sense of justice made him go back and try to get the child. Mm-hmm. And so then he rescues him and is just like, okay, where do I go now? What do I do? And it sort of, it felt a little bit awkward at times because here's this really capable bounty hunter who's being tagged by this, this infant. And so literally an infant with like, right s tier force abilities <laughs> right and so i think i so so i think that this will be interesting this will give this will give the star wars community a chance to hush out the the species um that that yoda's character is a little bit mm-hmm. more either the child matures quickly you know certain you know in fantasy certain fan, fantasy you know genres and sci-fi or whatever uh certain races will mature more quickly so it could be maybe like an exponential thing like it's you know the child is what 50 but maybe, maybe from the years of 50 to whatever, 51, 52, 53, maybe there's a lot of maturation that happens. Um, and so maybe he's more of a character. I think yeah. if that's not the case, they have to be really careful. And I think that um, the alternative to that, and it's the one that I'm actually personally hoping for, is that the child's storyline in essence is wrapped up in season two. Mm-hmm. Um, that they return the child to some semblance of the Jedi, whether, whether it's Ahsoka, whether it's a, a, a small band of Jedi who's, we know, you know, we know of certain Jedi who survived. Maybe it's a few Jedi who are out and hiding and they mm-hmm. take the child. Um, but I think it would be really good to, if the child is not going to be able to even speak at all in right. the show, it's hard to have him be a central character. And so I would like to see if that's, if that is the case and it's not going to be like a quick maturity thing. Right. Maybe he goes in like a cocoon halfway through season two and he comes out and he's like teenage Yoda. 
it is tough though because like you know disney loves making merchandise money and little baby yoda's super cute he's like so cute that it's anytime the mandalorian like mando does anything either mean to him or like leaves him on the ship you're like what are you doing like right go back adorable. go back get get the child take get care him. of him yeah right let him play with the thing yeah give him the yeah give him the ball um yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for it, man. I, I, mm-hmm. I agree. I'm in the same boat as you. I'm going to try to rewatch it this week and um, just kind of get, get ready for, for the release of, uh, of season two. I might, might even try to get a few friends um, get a few friends together to, to watch the premiere. Nice. Yeah, that is, it is cool how they, um, they make you wait. I mean, it sucks while you're waiting, right. but it is yeah. nice because you get to you, like... You end up appreciating it in the long run. You get run. to do the theorizing and all the um, like hoping and like agonizing week to week yeah all right so i have one more star wars question for you and then i have a surprise question that i warned you a little bit about okay um so i don't know if you know this the you know there are all the rumors of an obi-wan anthology movie and then there was the obi-wan disney plus series that was supposed to happen but then just keeps getting delayed and delayed and then you know now we're in a worldwide pandemic um so it's probably delayed indefinitely at this point so i guess a do you think we get it and then if we do do you think it'll be good i think yes to both i think there's no way at this point that we don't get it ewan has mm-hmm. confirmed that he's down and that he's you know he's he's and he's ready to go like as long and as I it takes that, i'll wait it out i think that it would be foolish of disney to not to not jump on that i mm-hmm. think of course you've got to get you know you've got to get some uh, a hard-hitting team on a sh- on a show or a movie like that mm-hmm. i personally would love a, a show i think that i think that tv series are kind of becoming the new industry standard mm-hmm. and and even for star wars you can use movies to to convey an over over um overarching idea but i think that the shows are really where you get into the nitty-gritty and so i think if that was something that ewan mcgregor would be open to mm-hmm. um i know he's done a few different you know a few different movies recently that have that have done pretty well but if he would be interested in doing a tv series i think that could be a really cool they could even set it at the very beginning and say hey we're going to do three seasons or 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 hey we're gonna do one season yeah we do 10 episodes but but even that is it's gonna be it's gonna be longer than a movie Mm -hmm. it's going to give you a chance to really see into the life of obi-wan i'm assuming probably while he is exiled on tatooine i could be wrong but i would assume assume that that's where we get him so i think that i think there's no chance that we don't get the show and i think that it will be good if you have a team you know if you have dave filoni working on it um Mm -hmm. You know, get, get get guys like John Favreau, and, and you know, just just put that team together so that they are that they are working in tandem to to create something that's as incredible as Clone Wars, as The Mandalorian has been so far. I've really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, really, at this point, probably for for television wise, Clone Wars is probably my standard for for Star Wars and how good it can be. Mm-hmm. I have my problems with Clone Wars, you know, even even in the final season, even in the final season when we get, you know, a lot of time wasted. You know, the Martez sisters and just things like that that just feels so 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 unnecessary, but then you get to the end of season 7 of the Clone Wars and have, All worth have it. some of some of if not the best Star Wars material that we've ever had. 
So you right. get that team together, you get them working on an Obi-Wan series um, or movie, and I, and I think you're going to get something really good. Right. I think, so this actually gave me another question if you have time. Um, so basically, I'm wondering, should we even do Star Wars movies anymore? Like, shouldn't it all just probably be TV shows? And then maybe you, like, maybe you drop the the main one and it's in theaters for a month and then it like the finale like season finale or whatever of what would be episode uh 10 for example they do like episode 10 is seven hours of show and then you get the two-hour movie but it's the season finale it's in theaters for two weeks and then it's on disney plus like just so we get the time to flesh out everything because i'd imagine if they had done another movie in between the last jedi and rise of skywalker everyone would have enjoyed it much more it's it's an interesting thing to think about. Like I said, I think a lot in a lot of ways, uh, TV series are really taking the stage in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I can see both. I personally think that you still do movies because, um, like I said, I think that they can convey kind of big picture ideas. And there's something so like there's there's such a grandeur to yeah Star Wars movies and you know the the big scale i think t- the tv series really allow you to get into the nitty-gritty and they mm-hmm. get you get to you know let's have a show where we spend a lot of time in the undercity on coruscant um let's let's go to weird planets that we've never been to or you know like let's let's do some things like that right like maybe you get like so you know poe and finn pretty famously dropped off significantly in their roles from well, I guess what their roles were teased to be in the first one, because right. Poe's barely in Force Awakens, really. But like maybe instead of even having them in the next movie, maybe Poe is Poe and Finn like have a series in between those two, so we flesh them out more. And then oh, they're bad for the third one, like stuff like that. Like you take secondary characters and give them more room to operate in between the main movies, and like flesh out the world, flesh out the events that transpire. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that would be a bad idea at all. I think, I think there's something cool. I think, you know, one of the, I mean, one of the reasons why things like the Avengers movies are so huge is just because there's this grand scale thing where, um, and of course, you know, they pretty much all of their, their medium is, is movies, but right. it's a, it's an interesting, I think it almost can be like a TV series. Exactly. And I think it can be applied to that same idea. You know, you have the movies that just focus on Iron Man, that just focus on Captain America. Mm-hmm. You could have a series that, that does, it focuses on a small band or one or two characters. Um, so, you know, I, I heard that they, <laughs> I heard that they were going to do something with a, a Cassian series. And yeah, I, saw I don't personally too. care because again, yep. I don't care about that character, do but just you do something SL like series. that. <laughs> right. You do something like that and then you can, you can kind of introduce, you can have that in the, in the movies. You can, you can still do large scale. There's a galactic threat. There's, mm-hmm. you know, the, in legends, there's, you know, the use on Vong war and things like that, that they can, that. That they can dive in and, and do these bigger scale that you're not going to necessarily do in a TV series. You could, um, but, but that you're not going to inherently do as much. So I think, I think we'll still have both. And I think um, we'll see what they lean to uh, or lean towards as we, as we kind of move forward. Another idea I think would be to just maybe to say, you know, in uh, the 70s, 80s, three movies was enough. But now, like, you know, Avengers, our cousins, the Avengers, shattered that. Like, you can't just tell a story in three movies anymore. People wonder what happened 
right. between like and you know they try to make you buy the comics and the books and everything to, so that you know what happened in between like why not just give us five movies like this yeah. cycle is five movie saga yeah we're in the age of the post credits scene right and I, I think that that's just indicative of where things are headed I think there's something that people love about the movie's over but wait there's more and you right. stick around just to see this continues and there's something there's something lurking in the shadows there's something working in the background there's something that our characters are unaware of and i think that that, that could all be really cool also i feel like i mean for movies you should probably just have fellini plotted out feloni however you pronounce it like he should probably kind of oversee it if he if it won't kill him to do that right like you need someone who will be like this is what's going to happen he knows every single thing like he'll he's the guy that'll come in here and correct george lucas about something or even right. like uh the guy who voices maul like he knows whitware sam whitware he knows everything too apparently like he directed feloni so it's like right. you just get one of those one of those like alpha nerds who knows literally everything about this universe to plot it out and be like does this make sense let's have yeah. a beginning middle and an end to our trilogy so that right. Uh, people don't hate us right yeah i think you do need need a heavy team of nerds on this one to, to make it as good as all right at the very least yeah. even if it like i mean you know it seems like feige from uh, marvel is going to move over and take a little bit more of the reins of star wars as well so i mean even that might do it just like having grown up in the room to kind of oversee everything right all right so this brings me to my very last question for you and it is the most important and the most controversial, and you have no idea what it is. Do you believe in Bigfoot? <laughs> this is uh, very heavily related to Star Wars. I think, uh, let me get into it. Um, okay, do I believe in Bigfoot? Wow, that's totally off topic. Pennsylvania, squatchy area. I know, I know, I'm out in PA, it's, I, I gotta, you got to think, think about it. He could be outside my, my door right now. Um, I will say this. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't believe that there is a sentient creature known as Bigfoot mm -hmm. who's vibing in the woods. I, okay. So, and... and that the same thing will apply to you know if you ask me a question about something like the Loch Ness monster, the megalodon, kind of urban legends like those things. I think I'm I believe that there could very easily be uh, Bigfoot esque animal in the same way that I believe that there could be a huge you know gigantic shark living deep in our oceans that we've barely explored. I think that's where I sit with, with most of those things. It's not that I don't believe in them, but I don't believe in probably all of them, you know, or like I said, yeah, not, I, gotcha. I don't, I don't think that there's like a, a super sentient, like essentially other race known mm -hmm. as Bigfoot, like just chilling out in the woods. Right. Okay. Um, Do you think, so, but you think there could be like, what if we set them down to like gorilla level intelligence? You'd be more yeah, open to that? I, right. I, I would be open to something like that. I think that there could be, you know, with there, there are still places in the, in the world that we've not fully explored that we, you mm -hmm. know, we're, 
discovering different insects and you know species and all of these things ocean creatures every year so mm-hmm. i I'm, I'm definitely not opposed to that i i think that there could definitely be definitely be something of that nature um okay it's a good question man what about you yeah. um i i go back and forth um i want to believe that it's real because you know it's cool a lot of and just like sort of almost like star wars there's like that mystery right element that sort of like beauty in the world element to it um but it i mean you know there's a lot of evidence against it which is unfortunate um but you know i I do like to think that bigfoot is real time will tell man maybe i could be wrong who knows i think yeah i i think that there could definitely be some type of maybe gorilla bear type Mm -hmm. (laughs) type thing that's just massive and hulking around and i mean at any point there's probably like 20 at least wild apes like that were set loose in america at any given time so that would that could account for some of the sightings and then you know a lot most of them are probably just bears walking on their hind feet because bears can walk pretty well on their hind feet it's unsettling kind of yeah and their um paw prints look a lot like what bigfoot footprints look like yeah Um, just the bigfoot ones are usually a little bigger which should very easily be you know time and melting but you know i just like to think that bigfoot could be real at least most of the time i'm like no and then i'll just be driving through some like an area that has a lot of woods and i'll just look and i'll be like i can't see 20 feet into the woods so like imagine and like i'm on the highway i can't see 20 feet into the woods imagine the real wild places right yeah i know man yeah you'll have to keep i know that's I'm not, I'm not immune to that. I'll, I'll be driving to and be like, I wonder, wonder what's in there. Right. I mean, anything could be out there. Well, yeah, that's all I got for you today. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I really, I'm glad we got to do this. Super yeah, me fun. too. Yeah, we'll squeeze in more time. We'll probably do like, I know we could do 10 more Star Wars ones and not touch on any of these topics. Absolutely. Yeah, we could, you and I could both go yeah. on for, for days probably about different uh various star wars topics so yeah. we'll have to do join that. us next time when we do four hours on the inheritance cycle yeah 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 branch out a little bit mm-hmm. all right thanks for coming on man thanks a lot man have a good night you too